Welcome to the Human Design Experiment, a podcast about real-life stories from women deep in their own unique experiment. I'm your host, Cassandra Russell, and my aim for this podcast is to take the complex human design system and make it relatable through stories, so you can feel empowered to start or dive deeper into your own unique human design experiment. I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today, and her name is Jenny Crowther. I first heard of her on Emma Dunwoody's the Human Design Podcast. She does a monthly transit podcast with Emma. And when I first started listening to it, I was a little bit unsure of what the transits are really about. And after listening to her and the way that she really synthesizes the information and makes it really relatable, I just fell in love with the transits. She has the most amazing um, PDFs you can download from her website, which I'll um, link in the show notes. They're so, so, so helpful if you're wanting to dive deeper and learn about the transits. Um, and just listening to her every month, I just love, love, love the way they work together. And I just love Jenny's splenic projector vibe. Like it's just beautiful. And she has so much wisdom and she is so knowledgeable. So a little bit about her chart. She is a uh, 5-1 splenic projector and she's a left angle cross of the clarion. We have an incredible discussion today. So she has a defined spleen, a defined throat, and a defined G-center, and the rest of the centers are open. So without further ado, I will, yeah, let you get on with the episode. I hope you really enjoy it. Let's take it back to the beginning. Could you tell me a bit about yourself, your body graph, and how human design found you? Um. So I, I mean, a bit about myself, I worked, you know, like most people work in the thing that you're meant to do. You go to school and you go to college and you go to university, then you get a job, then you get a better job, then you get another better job. So I did that until I was 35. And um, <laughs> one day I was, and, and I really thought I'd made it, right? I really, I really thought I, I've done all the things I'm meant to do. I've just had the biggest pay rise of my career I have more money than I know what to do with and I've got a fancy title and all of this but as soon as I got it I realized that that wasn't it like it it wasn't in any way ultimately satisfying um so I remember very clearly sitting at my desk and planning my pension like I used to make sure my pension was being invested in ethical funds and whatnot so I was doing that and then I looked at the date that I would get to draw down on it and I was like I'm not sitting at this desk for another 35 years until I can spend this money. Like, no way. <laughs> so just something, just something clicked in me then that I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, this is not happening. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I retired at 35. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and I quit my job and uh, I wrote a list, like a bullet point list of all the things I loved like yoga, snowboarding, Pilates, mountains, like just, I just wrote a list like of stuff I liked. And I was like, I'm building my life around this list now. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't want to build my, I've done all the things I was supposed to do and it didn't bring me ultimate. And, and I had a great life, you know, I was very happy, great friends, you know, all of the things, but it wasn't it, whatever it is. Yeah. So for, that was in 2012. And so I, didn't realize what I was doing, but I was operating now according to strategy and authority. So I, um, as in, as a projector, a splenic projector, I just had the biggest intuitive hit of my life. You know, it was this like, this knowing that I could, 
all the rationalization in the world, all the fear in the world, nothing could stop me from making this choice. It was so clearly known in my body. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, everyone around me, you know, I'm, you're, you're committing career suicide. What are you doing? You've worked all your life for all this. And, and I'm just selling my stuff, <laughs> giving yeah. my stuff away, emptying my wardrobe. And I packed a 20 kilo bag of luggage and I left the country. You know, I just went. Wow. So the invitation, although not formal, felt so internally clear. Mm-hmm. There was just there was just no questioning at all in my mind that that this had to be done yeah and I was terrified like of course I was terrified all of the fears about security and money and the aforementioned pension that I still haven't paid any more into a decade later (laughs) like all of that stuff um was very present but the, the intuitive knowing was so strong that I just could not ignore it anymore so yeah. So as soon as I, you know, made the necessary arrangements and started on my new kind of adventure life, I basically just thought there are people in this world who live a life that they love. Mm. Why don't I get to be one of them? Like, what's, what, what is my belief system set that I get to live a compromised life? Why can't I be one of those people that seems to swan around the world doing whatever they want and having a jolly nice time? <laughs> I, I want to do that. So that was kind of part of the underlying like push. Yeah. It was just like, I need to, I need to reinvent my identity. Mm. Like I need to let go of all of this, this, these stories I've been telling about myself and actually build a better story for myself. So human design fell into that process in 2016. So I was drifting for about three years following invitations. So I would go somewhere uh, the first invitation that like really jumps out at me was while I was, I went, I loved snowboarding. It was winter. I went to do a season and run a chalet. Mm. While I was away, my yoga teacher from the UK sent me a message on Facebook and invited me to come and attend his teacher training. Wow. And I had no intention of, I just like being a yoga student, you know, and I think I actually messaged him back and said, have you got the right gen like on Facebook? Cause <laughs> he'd never contacted me on Facebook before. I was like, have you got the right person? I think, you, I don't think you mean me. And he was like, no, no, I mean you. I want you to come on this teacher training. Yeah. Wow. So I went. Uh, and then after that, I said, okay, well, that was fun. What do I do now? And he said, well, I think you should go and train properly, like do more training. So yeah. I ended up in India. And then I met my now best friend and business partner, Tashi, in India. And she said, hey, what are you doing this summer? I'm running a retreat in Italy. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll come. And so my life since then has just unfolded as a series of, out of the blue random invitations um, to do stuff. Um, and, and human design fell in completely, you know, I wasn't like most people. It's like it finds you, like the way you phrased that question was perfect because it definitely find, found me. But mm-hmm. I, was on a, uh, I was on a vision quest, a shamanic vision quest with um, a shaman in the Basque region of Spain called um, Maneshibar, who um, I mentioned on Emma's podcast once or twice, I think. So he... I went to do what I thought was just a vision quest. I mean, say just a vision quest, but like the four of the North American ceremonies, like sweat lodge, fasting on the mountain, plant medicine ceremony, this kind of thing. Wow. And, uh, but as part of his teachings, human design was a big part of the teaching. Mm. Um, so he gave me a reading and then being a 5-1 projector, he just put me in a room with a pile of books and went, I'm sure you'll figure it out and walked out. <laughs> 
and I just <laughs> and I did I just was like oh god this is amazing and I felt um I felt seen and recognized and understood in a way that I'd never ever felt seen and the way he of course presented it was from he I think he studied with Ra personally he knows Richard Rudd personally like he he's he's not well known in the sphere of human design because he's a shaman yeah. but he, he he did study you know with the original teachers and yeah. and so to be seen like that it was genuinely the first time in my life wow. that anyone got me at a level that even I didn't get me it was wow. so profound yeah so that was my introduction to um yeah to human design I I then spent the rest of my free time because I didn't have a lot of free time we were doing a lot of other training yeah. but with the human design book you know the divinative book and a couple of other books open on my lap just just absorbing wow I'm a five one and I'm just like imagining being in a room <laughs> like all these books and no interruptions yeah. it sounds literal like heaven <laughs> yeah 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 exactly like heaven and there was another projector on the same vision quest as me I think he might also have been a it was like definitely a first line. I don't know if it was five one or one three or whatever, but he was the same. So just the two of us in silence, not interacting at all with a pile of books between us, just diving into human design oh when we were supposed to be there to learn like shamanic initiations. <laughs> <laughs> but you were there for what you needed to be there for. Well, quite. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. So <laughs> like when you say it was like the first time that you had really been seen, like when you, um, because I feel like when we, some people come to human design, it can be like a really big crack in the identity that we've created for who we are. Like I know myself, my, my identity was really that I was an emotional person. So when human design yep. found me and I add the light bulb moment that, oh my God, I amplify other people's emotions. That was literally like a cracking open of like my defined head. It was just like, I just went almost into this like trance state for quite a few weeks. Like I was just, completely shocked that I had been living my life as thinking I was an emotional person and then really witnessing the people who are close to me like actually witnessing their emotional wave like that identity crack for me was really quite profound um did you have like uh like you said it was you know quite a big shift for you like what was your experience like sort of breaking through what you had created I mean 100% I was behaving like an emotional manifesting generator a hundred percent. That's how I was living my life. Yeah. Um, and it, for those who don't know what my chart looks like, it, I'm a splenic projector. So I, but I have spleen to throat via the forty-eight sixteen, and G to throat via the eight, uh, the thirty-one seven, and that's it. Mm. So every other center is open. So I have no no motors on and no head nashna. So massively mentally conditioned, and then physically running on anyone else's motor energy that I could run on. Mm. Um. So that, it felt like a relief, mm. but, but of course I had to go, I've, and I'm still, I think, you know, six years later going through this process of uh, realigning myself to my design because that conditioning was strong and um, I was obviously all up in the not self. <laughs> never know when enough is enough, think I have to get everything done before I can rest, trying to prove myself to everyone, being basically just like a recognition 
whore, that's a horrible word to use, but you know, like I just projected, I just, we'll do anything for recognition and we yeah. usually use our not, not self to get it. Yeah. So that was a big, it, like there was some part of me very, very deep that was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm so exhausted by this process. I'm so tired of like being the one that does everything. Mm-hmm. And I, but and also I'd convinced myself that I loved it and that was who I was. Yeah. So it was a huge, and it has been a huge process of realigning myself. Now there, there would be an, like a cynical argument to say, well, I have you just aligned yourself to something like another, you know, mm. what if being told that you're a non-motor projector mm-hmm. who is not here to do all the doing, but mm-hmm. is here to rest profoundly yeah. and that you're non-emotional. What if that has now reconditioned you? Yeah. And I'm sure it has, you know, to just adopt a different identity. Yeah. It may have done. That is uh, an entirely distinct possibility. Yeah. But the feeling inside that before I never, I felt like I didn't have the faintest idea who I was. I was so confused. Mm-hmm. It was such an effort. Uh, and now there is a, a peacefulness mm-hmm. in me that is indescribable. This, because I don't, I know that I'm enough because I'm breathing still, mm-hmm. you know, that like there's nothing I need to do in my day to gain any kind of, recognition or approval or validation or recognition from anyone else mm. but that was a pro that was a real process and I assume it's still ongoing to a degree but I'm at a point now where I'm really like I don't care what anyone else thinks of my choices my only responsibility is to this form and to, to care for it in the best way that I possibly can so yeah for sure if you told me about the human design system and asked me to guess what I am without showing me my chart, I would have, and, and, like, if you'd said, okay, these are the traits of all of the types. What are you? I'd be like, yeah, I'm an emotional manifesting generator. hundred percent. Totally. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would have been an emotional manifester because I was just like initiating like yeah, yeah. all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, there was no responding. It was, well, I mean, there was mm. obviously some responding, but there was a lot of pushing and pushing shit yeah. uphill is really what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, but wow. the, the truth of the system was so resonant in, in my body. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, and what I to think, do. Um, had you, so before, obviously before human design came along, you had already been doing other things, like, because you found it on a, like a shamanic retreat. But you've been doing yeah. other things leading up to it. Was it kind of yeah. like, when you found human design, was it kind of like the piece that kind of clicked everything because like you tried all these other things before? Yeah. 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 It, I mean, it came into my life a year after uh, I found my meditation teacher who I'm still with. So he came into my life in 2015 and some, like, I feel like yoga was the gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Like yoga got me in to this world of body awareness, meditation, wellness, and esoteric teachings and ancient teachings, Eastern teachings, non-Western, like not the teachings that came out of Greece and Plato and Socrates and all of that lineage, which of course, if you're in the West, you're raised in that. Being exposed to the teachings of the East, the Indian, the ones, the Chinese ones, the Japanese ones, the North American ones, you know, all of these um, other, I mean, I say 
North American, you go far enough east, you get from here, you get to there. But this basically these non-linear, rational, mm. very human-based mental teachings, and you become more earthbound. Yeah. Um, I feel like all of that equally has had an impact on me. Tai Chi and Qigong and, you know, the connection to the animism of the planet and the everything, the, the tree people and the animal people and the bird people. And yeah. suddenly having my whole world view flipped yeah. was, has all been uh, important, really important part of my journey. I don't even know if I can separate mm. them. But for sure, my relationship with myself, mm -hmm. human design was the thing. Yes. And my ability to honor myself and, um, and be true to this body and to, to treat the form in the way that it's designed to be treated, mm -hmm. that is 100% human design. And I don't know if I'd have got there through the other modalities because there was so much, like there's such embodied teachings, the yoga, meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, all of that stuff is really embodied. Mm -hmm. And yet... I didn't have a mental framework that was supportive. I was kind of still not playing out my not self through yeah. these modalities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure, human design was the final key that unlocked. Mm. Ah, I, of course, this is exhausting me. Of course, I struggle with this. Uh, you know, it, all of the, the way I was practicing these, these modalities yeah. was contra to my design. So yeah. yeah. When, yeah. when you're asking, is, was this the thing? Yes, this mm. was the thing. I don't know if I could have done this on its own. Yeah. Like, I think I needed all that embodiment stuff, yeah. but this changed the way that I became embodied. Yeah, yeah, I totally resonate with that. Like, when you said, um, like, your entry point um, was, like, yoga and, and getting into the body, my entry point was food. Like, really mm -hmm. cleaning up what we were eating. That was my entry mm -hmm. point to kind of awakening and starting to drop into the body. And then it my sort of awakening process flowed on from there for about five years until human design found me. And then it was kind of like the thing that really took it to the next level. Cause I was still trying to fit myself into so many other, um, I was trying to fit myself into what other people were telling me, like in the spiritual world or the personal development world. I still, I still didn't know essentially who I was amidst it all. Like I knew it was all helpful to a degree, but I didn't know who I was in the middle. So it's kind of like the thing that kind of cements it. And it's like, oh, actually, I can run all of that through my own filter and decide if that thing is, is helpful for me or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, I mean, looking at your chart as well, I'm not surprised it came through that, like, improvement, you know, cleaning what we, what we were eating, <laughs> that channel of judgment of yours. It's like, let me structure a way to improve all of our well-being. Oh yeah. Yeah. My poor partner. I remember that. I remember that week well, cause he used to work away week on week off and he went away to work and I had been um, diagnosed in the Western system as having postnatal depression. It was about four months or five months after our um, son had been born. I also went mm -hmm. through my satin return two days after his birth, which I didn't realize until mm -hmm. like a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, so it all makes sense. But yeah, he went away to work. We sort of lived a very Western life and he came back and there was no processed food in the house. We were doing <laughs> plans and he's just like, what is happening? <laughs> so, <laughs> from then it's just been like, yeah, it's just like, oh God, like what's she into now? What's she trying? What are we, <laughs> what are we experimenting mm -hmm. with now? Um, <laughs> but it's been a wild ride. Um, but I really, like, I love having these conversations because I think it kind of, um, 
yeah, it kind of, it shows people that like not everyone obviously has it together and there's been a journey. It's been a journey to get to this point and to living in alignment with your design. So when you were sort of at the beginning of your journey, like what, um, can you talk us through the deconditioning process? Like what did you find supportive? What wasn't so helpful? So waiting for the invitation is, I mean, I, I just did a first reading for a self-projected projector yesterday. And she was like horrified, <laughs> looking at me like, what? I have to sit around and wait? I'm like, you don't have to do anything, mate. You can do, like, you're an independent being. You can do anything you want. I'm just letting you know that if you want to avoid feeling bitter yeah. and uh, underappreciated and unseen and unrecognized for all the stuff that you do, you might want to uh, just consider the possibility that, waiting for the invitation is actually going to be supportive rather than um, a <laughs> pain in the bum. So I, um, I, I mean, as soon as I heard that and as soon as I started reflecting on how I'd been going about my life, mm. stick, you know, I mean, like basically unashamedly telling anyone and everyone how they should be living left right and center like <laughs> offering all of the unsolicited advice in the world um that first part was magic like in terms of um how I the bitterness gradually started to decrease and the, the awareness that I had of the bitterness because obviously I'm like profoundly conditioned to just tell anyone and everyone what I think about their lives not realizing how intrusive that is mm -hmm. um so but then I would do it and then I would go and reflect and I'd be sitting there like my mind churning in its not self like ungrateful bastards don't listen to anything I don't know why I waste my breath and like just watching all of this <laughs> <laughs> going on in my head <laughs> um so over time that just I mean and I've really really taken it seriously this yeah. this strategy and authority business I yeah. take it very very seriously like I am deep in this experiment it's not oh I'll wait for some invitations but I'll initiate when I feel like it it's mm -hmm. like I mean of course I occasionally initiate and it never goes well but <laughs> like almost within seconds I'm like oh god what did I just do oh well that's why I feel shit and they feel shit and this all feels horrific because <laughs> I just initiated <laughs> I'm just going to go over there and mind my business in a corner <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah there's that but I think also like I said my meditation practice and this teacher came into my life the year before human design and my de so you're asking about my deconditioning process that human design is deconditioned the way that I interact with other humans but inter the process of ma like managing that energy internally there's no way I could have done it without my meditation practice and I practice quite seriously I practice every day I go on weeks at least six to eight weeks silent retreat a year like I spend a lot of time on my own sitting very very still and watching basically the not self so I got to know the not self very very well through this process and I also now had language for it and a framework for it that helped me to uh, be impersonal for it to be impersonal I, I think prior to being really immersed in the human design experiment watching the internal landscape in my meditation practice I just felt like it was all me mm -hmm. all mine mm -hmm. and, and I was profoundly a, a horrible person 
I just thought, oh my God, I'm like, I, I go, everyone in the world thinks I'm a nice person. And they, and then internally there's all of this stuff. And I felt so fractured and in conflict and like a fraud. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when people talk about imposter syndrome, this for me was the essence of it. Like everyone has this view. And of course I'm a fifth line. So everyone has this projection of who I am. <laughs> and internally, when I sit and meditate and I experience what I now know is not self-talk, I was identifying with that and so I just felt like a massive fraud so the two together being able to sit with the discomfort in my body mm -hmm. and process it without ever needing to let it become an external pantomime that I play out with other people has been I think rapidly accelerated the deconditioning process for me it's like wow the two are so intrinsically linked and you can probably see in my um my motivation arrow the tone of that is meditation the four yeah. in the green triangle mm -hmm. so my the way that i am able to interact in the world is through this and then the tone of the um perspective is acceptance mm -hmm. so i have acceptance and motivation uh, meditation as my tones for the way that my mind functions when it's optimal mm -hmm. so I know I'm in alignment when I can sit and meditate with what is and completely accept it without needing to do anything about it. And so understanding very deeply the, the chart that I, you know, the, the design that I live in and how it's designed to operate and then knowing the signatures for when it's in alignment is so, so essential. Mm, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's, there's so many places that we can go in a chart, but it can be really just, like taking one piece at a time and yeah. seeing how that fits um for yeah for myself it's interesting as I'm listening to you speak about how you decondition it's almost like because our designs are so different my the thing that helped me the most decondition was movement and sitting mm -hmm. still is actually the very worst thing that I can yeah. do yeah 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 I didn't know I didn't realize until I came to human design it was essentially yeah. almost my permission slip or kick up the ass really to be like you have to move every day and it's yeah. not just yeah. like one walk a day it's like I need to be active in my environment otherwise I get stuck and I get stagnant mm -hmm. and then the thoughts get really really loud so mm -hmm. I love listening to how you decondition and how other people decondition because the journey is so different yeah and, and it gives yeah me, yeah you know it doesn't like you can't impose someone else's process on your own. Like it, yeah. this, I mean, it's the science of differentiation. <laughs> and someone else's journey is not going to be what yours looks like. Totally. And if you look at my root center, it's open apart from gate 52, the gate of the still stillness of, yeah. of inaction of the mountain. It's Jupiter. It's my, like, if you study the gene keys, it's my pearl in the gene keys. Yeah. It's my, my whole life purpose is geared around sitting still. Wow. So the only thing I feel pressure to do is be still ever like my body just as soon as I like I'll be halfway through a sun salutation and my body will be like can we stop now <laughs> can we be still please wow. so oh my God. I, yeah it's like everyone has to really honor the the thing that their body is begging them to do whether that's move or not move or you know whatever it is um, because that I think always accelerates your progress, if you like, yeah. your um, evolution. And I think like deconditioning is a really interesting word because 
we're constantly in con- being conditioned, especially yeah. someone with six open centers, like undefined centers like I have. Like I'm constantly in and out of conditioning fields plus the transits never stop. Yeah. So the c- conditioning um, is continual, but it's really how we're relating to that conditioning. I think that is the process of what we call deconditioning. It's not like we become unconditioned. Yeah. That's not a thing in a human body. You're, you're yeah. going to be conditioned. Yeah. Um, but it's the process of realigning how I relate to the conditioning fields that I'm yeah. moving through is actually what is happening. And of course, I call it deconditioning because I couldn't be asked to say that sentence every time we talked about it. <laughs> but but it's misleading, I think. I think it's misleading because it implies that you could somehow be free of conditioning. And it's yeah. not saying that. It's just that you're not identified with the not self-conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you um, explained it that way. And I love your explanation because I've been sort of like um, toying with this word deconditioning. Like, what does it mean? Is this... Because when I say the word deconditioning, it's quite a strong word. And I know um, mm-hmm. Woody calls it reconditioning. And I've tried yep. to say reconditioning, but it almost can't come out my mouth. So I'm like, if I'm yep. struggling to say reconditioning, obviously that's not how I feel about the, or, you know, yeah. how I understand it. So just the way you explained it, I'm like, yeah, of course. It's like, I envision it like before human design, I'd picked up like a bunch of baggage <laughs> yep. and then I've gone or I've started a deconditioning process to sort of let go of a lot of that heavy baggage. But then, like you said, it's still, we're still in a conditioning field. So it's almost like the more you become aware of it, you can kind of play with the conditioning as opposed to identify with it. Like it's just kind of there as opposed to being you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of and it is a like play is a good word to use because it's like sometimes I can feel someone's root pressure to be productive and get something done. And I get to choose how I relate to that. I either walk out of their aura, so I'm no longer being conditioned by it, or I could be like, okay, sure, I'll ride your root pressure. Let's get, like, let me, let me help. Yeah. Let's yeah. get this done. Let's get this done together quicker. Because yes. as a non-motor projector, I'm the most efficient being in the room, for sure. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I, how I'm relating to, the key people in my life so we're a family of five and we've got three emotionally defined in our family and they all have the ratchet wave so how I'm relating to their ratchet wave and there's like a I'm not so in it <laughs> like I was before mm-hmm. it's not me there's like a gap unless I'm like really tired or I'm in a situation yeah. where there's a lot going on and I'm like Whoop, okay that's got that gets a bit heavy <laughs> need to walk away need to move need to do something but there's like there's an awareness of like oh yep I can feel it building in them I notice their mannerisms I notice the way their voice has changed and it's like okay I can be here I can move I can like what do I need in this moment because usually what I need in this moment will support them because I'm not reflecting their emotions Mm -hmm. back to them Mm -hmm. and causing Mm -hmm. a drama yeah yeah, and I don't know if you feel this, but my, like my brother has this wave, my friend has uh, that wave, and because of the fifth line, I quite often get it projected onto me. So I usually have to get out of the room because they're, they'll immediately point it in my direction because of the fifth line projection field. Yes, I actually hadn't heard it phrased that way, but 100%, particularly with my older son, like that makes, yeah, that makes so much sense. I just love it when puzzle pieces come together. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
yeah, I love the, I love the whole conversation about deconditioning. I find this really fascinating. Um, so how I mean, you've probably already spoken to this a bit, but um, how do you live your experiment? Because I think like I think I, I don't know in the human design space, the word experiment can be a little bit confusing. So like, how do you explain to someone or an example from your life? Like, how do you live your experiment? I think, I mean, it's, it's probably quite easy for me because I'm immersed in the human design world, as in it's what I do most often. Yeah. So I most of my work now is human design. Yeah. So it keeps me really present with it, right? Like if I'm, if I'm not, um, if I wasn't teaching it or sharing it for work, I'm not sure uh, how it would be a bit more of an effort to keep it as present as it is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at people's charts every day. And of course, the more I look at other people's charts, the more I learn about my own and, and I learn about our difference. And so that is probably part of it, part of how I'm living it is because mm-hmm. I keep getting invited to share it with people. Yeah. Um, so obviously whatever part of my journey uh, I'm on is it's required that uh, this stays really front and center for me. Mm. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I do struggle to, um, to rest as much as I need to really like, particularly in the situation I'm in right now where I'm, uh, living on a retreat for a month and I'm working and I, I'm almost never off. Mm-hmm. Like I get very, very little downtime mm-hmm. just but because of the nature of my aura and because of the nature of my history in these spaces. So I was profoundly in the not self, let's say five years ago when I used to run retreats mm-hmm. full time. Um, I didn't, I still, even though I kind of had human design, it was maybe a year into my experiment. I was, I, I was still up in the not self and I'm still exhausting myself and still being the one that is literally energetically holding the grid of the whole space. Like my aura, like a net extends over this whole property. I can feel everyone in the, in the building, in the grounds. I know everyone that's on site and I'm holding the frequency with my body, <laughs> with my energy wow. field. Yeah. Like when Karen, when Karen Corey Parker says the projectors are here to hold the te- energy template, Mm-hmm. we are do like when you really notice it yes that is exactly what is happening mm-hmm. nothing happens in this energy grid without, without me being aware of it i know how everyone feels in this space who's having a tough time who's like mm-hmm. you can i can relax about mm-hmm. so just the nature of my presence here is very tiring for me mm-hmm. but it's still part of my experiment to keep putting myself in these situations to see if i can handle it you know because I love being in this environment. I love the work that we do here, providing a safe retreat space for people to come and process their mm. lives and their stuff mm-hmm. is for me profoundly important. It's been the environment that I've gained the most from when I've had other people holding space for me mm-hmm. on retreat. I value it so much in the world, this yeah. opportunity to leave your husband and your kids and your job and come and be with people in a safe space and let yourself just, ugh, you know? So mm-hmm. I really love the work, but from a living the experiment perspective, is it um, part of the, if you looked at my chart and then saw what I'm doing, would you be like, you shouldn't be doing that. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to burn yourself out. And so I'm co- very conscious that I am s- stretching myself a bit in terms of my capacity, but 
I'm also willing to compromise and I will go to sleep for three weeks when this is over. Like I will do nothing. <laughs> I, will, I will drive home because I'm in uh, Italy at the moment. I'll drive back to the UK, park my van at a place where no one can find me and I will not move until wow. I'm fully, fully recharged. I will not yeah. speak to anyone. I will not interact with anyone. I will turn my phone off. I go dark to recover completely, like I plug myself back in and then I'll be, yeah, I'll be fine. So I think anyone that's in the healing space, you know, I practice Reiki, which is very intense energetically. Mm, yeah. You, you, you're probably aware, like yourself, human design readings, one-to-one, -one, that level of deep interaction is tiring. Yeah. So um, I'm aware of what I'm doing, <laughs> which yeah. isn't strictly in alignment with how I should be basically lying by a pool doing nothing, apparently. <laughs> and yet um, I don't, I don't know if I could do this for forever, ever, you know, I could, th yeah. there's no, I, this would, this will eventually, I, I imagine take its toll yeah. physically on me. Um, but for now it is what it is. And I keep getting invited to be in these spaces and do this work. And so, and I keep accepting those invitations. So until it becomes a point where, where my spleen says no, which it, yeah. it could do at any point. And, and to be clear, I do not, I'm not making the decision. My body decides if I'm here or not. So if my body has decided to be here, then I assume that it's okay. And you know, I trust my spleen 100% to take care of my well-being. Mm. It won't accept an invitation that's, that I don't have the capacity for. So, Wow. That's amazing. And can I just ask on that, because I'm really fascinated by the spleen authority. Um, mm. How do you hear your spleen authority? How does it speak to you? Um. So, it, I mean, it depends on the conditioning field that I'm in. So, for example, if I'm, if I'm emotionally defined by a transit, for example, and, and the wave is crashing, I can't hear it. It's just, it's completely drowned out by the emotional wave internally. Yeah. Uh, if I'm around a sacral being who's excited about something, I can't hear it because their sacral is too dominant and I get kind of caught up in their wave, like, yeah, 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 let's do that. It's that exciting. And then in the middle of the night, I'll wake up at like three in the morning when my body has cleared their energy out of me and my, I'll just literally sometimes open my eyes and my spleen will go, that was a no. You're going to have to tell them you're not doing it tomorrow. And then I'll go back to sleep. <laughs> because it, it, it just needs enough space to get my attention sometimes. Um, but I have, I have actually quite a good example from, um, I think it was the week before I was due to drive out here. So it's like a four day drive from where I live in the north of the UK. And then I drive like a whole day to get to the ferry and then I get a ferry and then I drive like three days across France and Italy to get to where I'm going. So it's a big journey, right? Mm. And um, I think two weeks before I was due to travel, I had a client of mine invite me slash ask me, even though I'd kind of already said no to her, to, uh, to do a really, like my most expensive product for her, like the transits reading that I do for the year. She'd, she'd been like, please, please, I really want to do the transits reading. Please, will you do it? I know you've said, like, I'm not ready because she's kind of new to human design and it's like an intermediate kind of product. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, please, 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 can I? And I had this, just this, my spleen's just like, no, 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 like solid no. And I couldn't work out why. I just knew that I was getting a no. So I'm being very diplomatic, like um, just pausing on like answering her request and so I'm, I'm in this space. I know I'm getting a no, but I don't understand why I'm getting a no. Mm -hmm. But I know it's not about her. It's about me. Like my authority is from my body. 
So I pause for like maybe two days and then I get I start to get a bit sick. My throat starts to go. I start to feel really under the weather. My immune system starts to drop. The amount of effort that I would have to, because this product that is, it takes a lot of my energy to produce this, this product. And basically my spleen was saying, if you say yes to that, you are not going to have the energy to deliver it when you've got like a massive road trip coming up that you need to be really rested for. And so I, I knew there was a good reason for it, but I couldn't understand what it was. And then as soon as I started to get sick, I was like, there it is. That's why my spleen is saying no. So then I was able to go back to her and say, I'm getting a splenic no. It's because I'm getting sick and I've got a big journey. And this, if I did do this thing for you, it would take a, so much of my energy that it was gonna, it's going to deplete me. So we're, we're going to put this on pause for now. Uh, and maybe when I'm back in a few months, I'll have the energy for this. But right now, I don't have the energy for this. And, and so that is, for me, I have to honor the no, even if I've got no information as to why that is the case. And thankfully, you know, we're in this world of people speaking the same language related to human design, where I can just say no, it's, it would be, I'm go, I would be going against my authority for, to say yes to this. And she came back and said, thank you so much for your integrity and willingness to honor yourself and trust your authority. It's actually a really big lesson for me. Yeah. So, so splenic uh, authority, just, it's just, it's mostly, uh, it's mostly a no mm -hmm. rather than a yes, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. Okay. If there's not a, if there's not a no, it's a sure, why not? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. But, but like, it's like when I'm listening to my Spanish authority, I'm like, is there a no? No, there's no no. Okay, right. So there's no no. So that must be it. Like by default, that must wow. be a yes. That's amazing. That's, that's what it feels like. It's, it's not a yes. And from a, for a generator perspective, because you, you're used to the yes, mm -hmm. that's probably quite weird. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, but so interesting is like, well, the way you phrase it at the beginning, like you can't hear it when you are in an emotional state, the transits or in someone else's um, emotional field. Mm -hmm. I feel that very much with my sacral if because I, I have mm -hmm. an open solar plexus. So if I am experiencing or like plugged into um, the transits or one of my um, one of my family's emotions, I really mm -hmm. find it hard to hear my sacral. Like yeah. it almost goes dormant. And mm -hmm. to kind of kick the motor back into gear, I know now that I need to move. So I need to start walking and I will like, I say to my partner now, like if we need to decide something, we need to decide it in motion. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's walk and then the answer will come. Um, yeah. He's also emotional authority. So it's been a big learning curve for me to wait, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though yeah. I know it's a yes for me. It's like, okay, well we need to wait yeah. for it to filter through his wave. Mm -hmm. So the authority is just, I just find the authority is really fascinating and how there's no like, um, there's no one way to hear a splenic authority. Like the way that you just explained your splenic authority is different to how I interviewed Bronwyn the other day. Like she hears it very okay. differently. And I just find it so interesting because when I first came to human design, it was almost um, more 2D. Do you know what I mean? And as I'm speaking mm -hmm. to people, mm -hmm. it's becoming very alive. Like, I, yeah. I learn or am integrating or synthesizing the human design knowledge the most through hearing people's stories and their own visceral experience of it. Um, mm -hmm. 
So I wanted to. I, I will say, well, I, just on that before we move on, I just want to say that I, because I have a defined G, I do have an other experience of um, a G center, yes, mm. which is um, like falling in love. Wow. With a place or a place or a thing or a person, but there's an opening in the center of my chest towards something. It's like I almost feel like this space open and this tractor beam like engage. And and that's very, very different to the yeah. spleen. That's like that's like this is so correct for you. You have to like this is definitely coming. Yeah. So I mean, I don't it feels different to me. The spleen feels like a bodily protection, whereas the G feels like this. This is the next step on the journey. This is the next thing that you need to move towards mm. to, you know, complete this whatever magical journey we're on in this life. So I would not call that a splenic yes, but yeah. that is, uh, that is a, a, an awareness of the, the monopole pulling. Absolutely. Something towards me. Yeah. And the mind immediately kicks. The mind immediately kicks in and starts trying to strategize about how we're going to get it. <laughs> like right. the G center goes, yes, that. And then the mind goes, okay, great. What do we need to do or yeah. be? How do we need to get this in? And it's like uh, you're not. You have no part of this, mate. Like it's coming. <laughs> Just relax. I hate yeah, it when exactly. people tell me to relax or calm down. I'm like, but I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. I I, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I get excited but like it's definitely not uh, well from my perspective it's not yeah. not related to the spleen it's um it's a different uh, different part yeah totally that's awesome uh, when I envision my um g-center I envision like a golden thread almost pulling me towards something so it's like I yeah. know that thing is correct for the direction that I'm moving towards because there's a golden thread like almost yeah. like I yeah. can't stop it mm -hmm. exactly um, yeah so, yeah, what I'd love to know is, like, how is your life better um, since finding human design? Like, what have you noticed is more easeful or less resistant? Like, what, for people that are new to human design, they might be thinking, well, why would I even want to go through this whole process? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I could, I mean, I, I couldn't help it, you know. It, it embedded itself so uh, effortlessly in me. Yeah. It was, it was like... Uh, and I need to make like gestures and kind of robot noises. It went, you know, like, like a, like a download, like an imprint in me. Yeah. Um, and, and once it was in, I couldn't get it out. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it was kind of like the Reiki attunement. So anyone that's um, done Reiki uh, training or attunements, you basically get these symbols imprinted into your energy field and you can't get them back out. Like they're in there now. Yeah. Like you are attuned to the Reiki frequency. Mm -hmm. And it felt like that with this mm -hmm. and, um I can't unsee people's charts and but which is why I can't stand and this is probably going to be controversial but I can't stand all these new charts that are all muted pink hues because they're not a download like they don't imprint themselves into like it's the red and the black and the colors of the centers that imprint into me yes uh, that that is part of the download absolutely and for me uh, and I know that we have mutual friends who have got these products on their website, but I can't even read them. Like people come to me and they show me these like pinky hued charts and they're like, what does this mean? I'm like, come back to me with a real chart and I might consider looking at it, but I'm not looking at that because there's no download. Yes. But I can, I can glance at one of these charts and it will imprint in me and I will remember it two years, three years, four years later. Yeah. Because it, it, there's something about it that just 
clicks in. So I also wonder if it's, this is just a random pet theory, and I will get back to your question because I'm aware I'm not answering it. But um, (laughs) a random pet theory of mine is that if you were alive on the planet when Ra got that download, as in in 1987 when that download came, I wonder if we're all attuned to the frequency of that download, if we were alive at that point. I don't know, but it's a little pet theory of mine. Uh, Anyway, so... (laughs) Back to your question of how is my life specifically better. Um, <laughs> I love myself. Yeah. It it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Ross when Ra said love yourself, this system will help you love yourself. It's true. I love myself. I love this design. I love being in this body graph. <laughs> I love operating like this. I've never felt, I didn't know it was possible to feel so on task, so on purpose, so aligned, so clear about what I'm here to do, the role, the function that I am here to perform as part of the human collective. I didn't, I couldn't have imagined that the mystery, the confusion, the doubt, all of that would go. And I would actually just be sitting here in the middle, like, I think I'm, I get it. Like, yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm doing it right. I think I'm doing life right. You know, yeah. I just couldn't have imagined that that would be the result of following this experiment. And like I say, I'm six years in, so mm. it, it does take time. Yeah. I'm excited for my seven year anniversary next year <laughs> and to begin, to begin all over again with a new seven year process <laughs> to, go deep, to go deeper and deeper. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, I, can't, I couldn't unsee it, you know, yeah. once I'd seen it. And, and now that I see it and I see the beauty, and especially like for anyone who follows the Transits podcast and who uh, has the wheels that I create, the wheel of the year one and two, yeah. those mandalas are so utterly perfect to me. Like the patterning, the symmetry, the, oh, it's the most beautiful thing. It's like looking into the center of a sunflower or you know, something that's just this pure mathematical brilliance. Yes. So I'm just in love with this system and it's, and what it's done for me. Like I, I just couldn't be more um, enthusiastic about its potential for, yeah. for transformation. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I love looking at your PDFs because visually they are so aesthetically pleasing and they are like the first thing that I have seen to do with like the transits that actually makes sense to me like I was very confused about what the transits even meant until I found your um your podcast and then your pdf and I was like oh and I I I, I can go on there and I can like I, I do it on my phone because we live in a caravan I don't have a printer but like I would have them on my fridge <laughs> like but mm-hmm. I have them on my phone so I can check it I'm like oh the lo- I can see the line going down the month and I'm like I can see the colors and like it's just it's all there and it's just so easy for me to like oh yeah of course that could be maybe why that happened and that could be why that happened um so yeah I'm so grateful that you created them first of all and I also love what you said about um loving yourself like I think it's it is really the greatest gift and I remember being in the personal development space for years before human design and they talk about self-love and it gets thrown around and I was just like I didn't get it I was like this is bullshit like I hate myself like I hate this about myself and I can't do this and I had all these terrible thoughts in my head and I hated you know like my physical body and blah like there was just a lot of really hatred towards myself so when they Mm -hmm. sprouted self-love I was like that doesn't make any sense and then Mm -hmm. when human design came and I remember reading from Ra like it's about loving yourself and I my um 
my ego was kind of like, is this just another thing that I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, that they're going to tell me I'm going to love myself, but I'm not really going to. Mm-hmm. And then when mm-hmm. I started experimenting and realizing that I was a non-emotional being and I was like, oh my God, there's some truth here. Like, holy. Mm-hmm. And then it just each layer has unpeeled and unpeeled. And I, I feel like I'm loving myself more each day, which I never, ever thought was ever possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just never thought that I would reach even this point that I am now. And I know as I, as this process deepens that that love is just going to grow even more, yeah. which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, it's, it's interesting what you say there about physical as well, because even though this is kind of a conceptual mental system, I also love my body. And I like similarly had like body dysmorphic issues, like eating, not like extreme eating disorders, but like really, really unhealthy relationship to food and my body and yeah. the, the, the internal voice. And, and that has also transformed. And I'm pretty sure it's at least, if not completely, at least in part related to my acceptance of what this is, you know, like it doesn't really matter what this form looks like based on arbitrary social standards. It's not really relevant to my ability to energetically do my work, which my work is energetic, right? My work is to hold a frequency yeah. with my body. So that's what matters. My ability to do that is what matters, not really what my body looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the the, the more that I dived into my, my chart and started to understand it more, like my south node on both sides, my personality and my design is um, 46, the love of the body. And then mm-hmm. my north node is um, love of the spirit. So it's yeah. like I'm moving from love of like, and they're both the same on each side. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, duh. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Of course, that's my whole life until I found human design and it's now the unraveling of that. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes yeah, it can make things that were such a high angst make more sense, which I think is just, yeah, you can't you can't put money on it. Like you can't, I just feel like I can't place a value on how much internally I have shifted. Like you mm. can't even, I don't think I can put it into words effectively. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of wanted to round out with three quick questions. Um, so mm-hmm. if you could go back and give yourself advice at the start of your human design journey, what would be your number one tip for yourself? to bear with me because I'm open head so it's hard to be put under mental pressure hang on (laughs) um what would be my advice to myself I I wouldn't actually because I don't think I could have done it any differently like there's nothing I I surrendered straight into the experiment Mm. almost immediately yeah um so I have absolutely like no I there's nothing I would change amazing because the, the process unraveled for, for me in, in and of itself. And if I went back and gave myself advice, it wouldn't have unraveled the same way. And therefore, maybe I wouldn't love myself as much as I do. So I wouldn't. <laughs> yes, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I I'd, maybe just go, I'd maybe just go back and high five her. give her a hug or something (laughs) absolutely like I just I think back to myself back before human design I think you don't even know what's coming girl like you have no idea how much you're better not to know (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely um so how for you like how is your design a superpower I mean like what you would it's it's just oh god I love it so much it's so magical like what it's able to do yeah. the, so what you were just talking I mean 
it's not a major part of my design, but it is my design son, is the Gate 62. And what we're talking about in terms of the wheels of the year, the ability to create logical visual patterns to transform the way that people see a complex structure, I think is such a gift. Like those wheels just popped out of me. I don't, I didn't, I don't, I just faffed around for like four days and then ta-da, it was there. So the gate, the gate 62 in my design son, this ability to, to make sense of a visual pattern is for sure a superpower. Mm. My, um, 4816 channel this willingness to just do something over and over and over and over again and get better and better and better incrementally over time this development of mastery and talent I I really love and my mum has it and my dad has it and watching the way that they do it in other spheres like my dad is the most incredible sportsman he has turned his hand to every sport you can think of and he's good at all of them like the way that the that that 4816 really develops this like solid talent over time is again wonderful and then I've kind of grown to love the 731 the channel of the alpha Mm -hmm. because it used to try to dominate and I wanted to be the alpha Mm. and now I just I take the responsibility of having an unconscious alpha channel very very seriously so I'm Mm. very careful with what I say because I know that it's carrying a vibration of authority Mm -hmm. and leadership just without me doing anything it's there so my relationship with that from being an egoic dominance and like a kind of a superiority complex into one of service Mm. uh, is 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 a different like like I've actually noticed the cultivation of that superpower if you like yeah because because it you know I I had this conversation on the root center panel with Emma and the gang in HDX and we talked to Emma used the same word superpower and I was like superpowers can be very destructive Mm. if they're misused so I like for me that aspect of my child what I was using that in a kind of uh unskillful way and I I've refined the way that that channel operates now so in terms of how it's superpower it's like every element of my design has its own utter magic every gate I love it and the way that it expresses itself and they're all like like a big family like a team of cool little talents or skills or abilities and they all pop up randomly at at unknown times and I just I just think you know the whole thing every every, and this is why I get excited right yeah the the moment you know this moment you put all the details in the genetic matrix or whatever software using and you press go and you sit and wait for the chart to arrive I get so excited because I'm so keen to like unravel the brilliance of every being so I think every chart every chart is a superpower absolutely I agree and I just I love hearing I love hearing what people love about this themselves and their own design like I think it's just fascinating and I like Mm -hmm. I sit there and I wait for it to spin and I'm like oh here's the chart this is so fun and someone as a point you made earlier someone sent me a chart from a different um a different website um just last week and I was like could you send me another one? Because I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing from that. Like it's just blank. <laughs> so was it was it one of those muted tone pretty ones? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like, I can't read them. They don't, don't make any them. sense for me. No. So I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm not the other one because I was like, oh, maybe I'm a bit weird. Like maybe I just no, no. <laughs> but no, okay, I'm not like the voice was very specific, you know, yeah. to uh they had to be these colours. And I I think, you know, there's there's there was some kind of download in that process. And it, like, that's not to say that 
I haven't changed the colours of it because on, well, on the wheel, I had to colour every centre in a different colour because I wanted them to be a visual, like I couldn't have, you know what I mean? When you look at the wheel, you can see all the throat gates because they're all in the same colour. Yes. But the throat is the same colour as the spleen, is the same colour as the solar plexus. So it's like if I hadn't done that, I would be missing a visual download. So I, I'm not saying that there can't be a logical, uh, intentional reason to change the colour of the things, like in that case. But mm. in general, we should, I think we should be using the original um, colourways that are intended or the voice intended for looking at charts, personally. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad we had this discussion because I feel like, oh, yes, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> it just makes sense to me now. Um, so um, off the back of that, what would be the number one recommended human design book or resource that you'd that you'd share with people? I mean, I guess it depends on their design. Um, line one's almost always one definitive book. Um, and I, but, but I also know that like quite a lot of people are not that into the definitive book. I think there's lots of, like if you do IHDS training and you get the Living Your Design Manual, I think that's a really great resource. Yep. Um, Richard, Richard Rudd's Living Your Design is great. You know, um, I also have like a pocket book. So for those who are more into human design, um, there's the Richard Rudd's Little Book of Circuitry. Ah, that is, okay. I, I find so readable, so accessible. Uh, and it's, I mean, I think he's just republished it and it's bigger, but like I have one of the like old school, original, tiny little like A5 ring bound versions, which is so portable. I love it. Um, and like as an instant reference point for circuitry, because I think um, looking at the channels in context of the type of circuit they're in is like obviously super, super vital. So you understand the flavor of the energy. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Richard Rudd circuitry book I, um, as like a pocket companion for, for anyone who just wants a quick reference, really, like the yeah. language is much more accessible than Ra's language, I think. Yes, I agree. I'm diving deeper into yeah. um, Richard Rudd's work at the moment. Fascinating. It's a whole other layer. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gene Keys is the most beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of takes it from being sort of like static for me and there's like, mm -hmm. there's like an evolution, which I just find really mm -hmm. like, oh, of course makes sense yeah. we're yeah, yeah. movable beings um so where can people connect with you as the last thing um i mean my website is pretty comprehensive in terms of showing you what i do and what i offer mm -hmm. and what people can um the types of work that i'll do so i usually do like a first steps reading to get them just into the experiment and then once they're kind of involved in this madness <laughs> and they if they want to go deeper then we can start to look at the nuances of the planets and the yeah. activations of the lines and the circuitry and all of that stuff so that's usually the process people go through with me um sometimes people come and they we have a quick look at their human design and then they're like I actually just want to connect with you for like to just chat about my life and that's yeah. also fine I do like I do mentorship uh, as well so yeah sometimes people actually are not that interested in studying human design uh, and learning it they just really want to connect with me to help them guide like help me guide them through their life decisions yeah um so yeah I do that kind of I probably probably equally actually I probably yeah. do as many like introductions to human design as I do um one-to-one -one work with people uh and then Emma's podcast every month the transits yeah. podcast is where I kind of put I put a lot of energy and um mm. time into into crafting that 
uh, experience for people because um, yeah. I'm, re I'm, I'm really passionate about uh, using our lived experience, witnessing the energies in real time as the planets are moving through them and, and starting to see the many, many nuances of the ways that a particular energy will play out in the, in the real world. So that's kind of the main things that I offer. Absolutely. And I'll link all of them in the show notes. That's how actually I found you was your transit podcast with Emma. And I just like fell in love with the way you explain things. Thank you so much for sharing today. I have just loved like every minute of this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for the invite. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation as well. It's been, um, yeah, it's been one of the most fun conversations I've had in a while. Thanks for listening to the Human Design Experiment podcast. I hope there was parts of this story that resonated with you. And if you liked the episode, please hit the subscribe button and share the episode with a friend. If you want to dive deeper into your own human design experiment, please follow me on Instagram where you'll find my course offerings. The link is in the show notes below. See you next episode.